Well, sometimes when you're so familiar with something, you may not be aware of all of the gems and the strength of it. And that is very much the case in a very familiar psalm that we're going to look at this morning. We begin our preaching series entitled The Summer in the Psalms, and we look at Psalm 23 with three key words, for, your, and with me. There might be no other passage of Scripture outside of Jesus' own words that are more repeated. This psalm of the Lord is my shepherd, the good shepherd himself. Uh, earlier, at, earlier this week on Thursday and Friday, we were going back and forth to Minneapolis, and uh, we went by coming into Eau Claire, uh, mile marker 47 and 48. And my sweet wife, it's just outside of Menominee as you're uh, coming this way into Eau Claire, and she saw a sheep farm. She said, isn't that beautiful? Aren't you uh, preaching on Psalm 23? And I said, yes, it's so peaceful. And I said, oh, sweetheart, there's so much there. I mean, there's trying to figure out how they're going to provide water and predators and flies and feed. She said, I know, but it just looked peaceful. And I said, well, there's more there. And I thought, no, I'm not going to fight. That's not a good witness. Why do we start with Psalm 23, this familiar passage of Scripture? Simply because of this. There is a numerical gem that's at the heartbeat of Psalm 23. And it causes followers of Jesus, no matter what age or stage they are, to stop and say, what? Thank you, Lord. You love and you care for me. I belong to you. And so you may have heard this psalm many times. I'm sure many of you have. But as, I was, as I've shared uh, with several people this, weekend, this week, I I'm seeing Psalm 23 in a brand new way. And I hope that there's just three simple words that you come out of this message with. And so just to set the context for this psalm, just so that we're all on the same page, let me just set some context for all of us to understand about the psalm. I've shared this before, and it's been very helpful for me to try to get my head around the scriptures. And it's called the locker combination or the password of the Old Testament. And that's simply this, understanding what scripture, specific scripture, is all about. If you have a Bible, you can write these brackets in the table of contents. The first five books of the Bible are called the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They're, they're law. It, it spills into the next 12 books of the Bible. That starts with Joshua and goes through Esther. Those are called history books. The this book of Psalms fits into this first five. The first five are what's called poetry. And it starts with the book of Job, and then it goes to Psalms, and then it's three books that Solomon wrote, Proverbs, the lover's book, the Song of Solomon, and then the book of Ecclesiastes. It's followed by the next five called the Major Prophets. It starts with Isaiah, and then Jeremiah writes a couple, and then it's Ezekiel, Daniel, and then the next 12, the next 12 are smaller books, still prophetic, called minor, not meaning not important, but just smaller. That's it in, an old, in, a, in a real quick flyover. But what we're concerned about is we're concerned about poetry, and Psalm 23 is a poetic psalm. Now, the poetic psalm looks like this. It's called what scholars call a chiastic structure. 
It's a poem, so it's got a form. But for us and for my mind, it's easier to say it's like a sandwich. And I like food, so that connects with me. And this particular sandwich of Psalm 23 looks like this. The first half of Psalm 23 that we hear so much about is the first half has 26 words. And the second half has 26 words. That's the sandwich. 26 and 26. And the 26 on the front and the 26 on the back all point to the three in the middle. Now, it starts with the Lord. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And it ends with the same word for the Lord, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the first half, the first half of that structure of the psalm that we know so well, it uses the pronouns, the third-person pronouns, five different times. He, 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 his. The second half of the poem uses the word you, 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 your. But it all focuses on what's in the middle. That's the key for the poem. That's what struck me this week. And I kept thinking, has that always been in here? Yeah. Here's what's in the middle. What's in the middle are three key words. It's right after 26, the first 26, and after and before the second 26. It's these three words, for, your, with me. Now, in our English translations, it's translated those are five words, for you are with me. But in the original language, it's only three. In our English, it's five. In the original Hebrew, it's three. And everything spills off that. And the reason why it's so important, it is the boom, 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 boom. It's the heartbeat of the psalm. And we can't miss it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He refreshes, he leads me besides quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to once again invite a special guest to join us this morning. Every morning we gather in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And this person that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. We're inviting him to come with his Pentecostal power. Today is the 27th, the, today is the second of 27 Sundays churches recognize Pentecost. And you'll notice the balloons over in, this, in the corner. They're not going to be there all summer, but they haven't wilted yet. So we said, let's use those. It's a reminder that anytime we see something new in the scriptures, or we get a better insight or more conviction or direction or motivation or we have a renewed courage or a greater love for Jesus. That's the work 
of the Holy Spirit. That's what he does. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll come and help us understand the Lord who is our shepherd. He is such a good shepherd. He feeds and protects. He guides and he nurtures. He is the great I am, the gate, the living water for our souls. So please give us a hunger for this kind of water. The shepherd is the vine of life, of hope, and of joy, and his very presence is peace. Will you expand our minds to understand what it means to look and to live in the vine of the good shepherd? And the shepherd is the light of the world, and he helps us see how that applies in the darkness of our souls, in the darkness of night, in the dark times that we live in. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll help us to understand how this shepherd feeds us with bread that truly satisfies even when we wander and we want. Give us a hunger for the daily bread he gives us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll help us understand this shepherd who is very much alive and brings supernatural, abundant life plus. Holy Spirit, instruct us on what it means for us individually and as a church family to be alive and to walk in freedom. Come, Holy Spirit, we anticipate that you would do your movement this morning and speak through your word. Please take this message to feed us and to train us and rebuke us and equip us for your glory and for your kingdom because you are returning. And I pray that you would find us faithful in Jesus' name. And all God's people that could agree said, amen. I want to invite you once again to find a bulletin or if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're watching online or you're listening on the radio, you can go to our downloadable bulletin. I think you'll find this again. You'll probably get more out of the sermon as you follow along and, and write down. I want, to, I want to share with you these three words, simple words. And the first one is the word for. Uh, for is a strong conjunction that is hooked to the Lord my shepherd. The first point I want to share with you of the numerical heartbeat of this psalm is the word for. It's a strong conjunction that's hooked to the Lord, my shepherd. Conjunctions are words like for and and or nor or but or yet or so. Why is that so important? Because it links to this. The Lord, who is strong and mighty, is my, sh is my shepherd. The Lord. The, the Lord is translated Yahweh or the great I am the theme of our Vacation Bible School, the God of the angel armies, what the church has confessed for 2,000 years, the Lord who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. And here's what that looks like in real time. It looks like this, that this summer, when you go outside and you see the skies and you see the stars and you see the myriads of stars, know that the Lord who is my shepherd, knows every star by name, counts them, knows them, identifies them, doesn't lose track of them, holds the galaxies in his hand. That is the Lord, my shepherd. Now here's where some summer reading might be really helpful to you. My, uh, my wife reminded me of a small little book. Maybe you've seen it before. It's a book by Philip Keller called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's a wonderful summer read. 
as you do your devotions and you spend time with the Lord. And Keller was very, very helpful in helping me understand what a shepherd understands and how he has a relationship with his sheep. A good shepherd knows his sheep, has a relationship with his sheep. He has purchased them. David, who writes this psalm, this beautiful, familiar psalm, he's a shepherd. He's also an incredible poet. He writes over half of the psalms. He's an unbelievable musician. We'll find that in his ministry to King Saul. He's an incredible warrior. He's very successful in military battle. Oh, and he's a king. And David, as the psalm writer, writes about this psalm. We also know that shepherds also protect their sheep, watch over their sheep. Sheep can't feed if there's a threat of enemies. Sheep can't concentrate if they're battling with one another. But when a shepherd comes and the shepherd becomes the focus and the shepherd is in the midst, the sheep come to the shepherd. I'm a city boy. I married a country girl. So when I go in on a farm setting, I usually put my foot in my mouth, and I did on this occasion. I went to a, uh, I went to a farm probably about 15 years ago. It was a sheep farm. And I was there for a high school grad open house, and uh, he was a sheep farmer. And so I, I, I just asked the classic pastor question, aren't sheep dumb? That's what I've been told. He said, oh, no. They know who the shepherd is. Watch. And so in his farmer way, he kind of walked over to, and I thought, okay, is that how you walk as a farmer like this? And he went over, and I'll never forget, he went over to the fence, and he said, now watch Pastor Kirk. Mama sheep! Mama sheep! And all the sheep started coming to him. And I went, this is incredible. The sheep know who this person is. The sheep know the shepherd. And I saw it with my own eyes. About seven years ago, I had an experience that I, I, I never want to forget. Two of my former teachers from Gig Harbor, Washington, were traveling across the country, and they were on their way to Upper Michigan, two 80-year-olds. And they said, can we stay overnight with you and Julie? And I said, well, absolutely. And as they were coming, we had a class reunion, uh, some people from my class, and I convinced one of the teachers to do this, get on a motorcycle, that's who she really is. And, uh, and when they were with us that evening, um, her name is Pat, she, uh, she said, Kirk, what has God promised you as a shepherd? Has he promised you to be happy? Does God want you to be happy? Is that what he's promised you? Has he promised you to be comfortable? Has he promised you to be the best version of you? I said, no. What has he promised you? He's promised me this, that he will be for me, he will be in me, and he will be with me. Why did I say that? Because Isaiah 43, 1 through 5 said this, but now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine, and when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. 
And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. The first word is for a strong conjunction that's hooked to the Lord, my shepherd. And the second word is a personal pronoun that pursues with goodness and mercy. In English, we use these two terms, you are, but just for our sake, I push them together. And the you is the Lord, the good shepherd, the great I am. But he has a relationship with us. It's a personal pronoun that, that pursues us with good and goodness and mercy. Verse 6 says, and he will follow me all the days of my life with goodness and mercy. Now, sometimes we understand that that word follow, we get this little cute idea of a puppy dog. Like, oh, isn't that cute? They follow me wherever I go. I have a friend who has a, a new dog, and that puppy has all the manners of a new puppy. And if we get this idea that God follows us like that, that's only half of it. The actual word means to hunt or to dog, follow hard after. There was an English poet by the name of Francis Thompson who wrote a 157-verse poem, and the only thing we remember are three words. He will follow you like the hound of heaven. Goodness and mercy will follow you like a hound of heaven. Or as one pastor said, he pursues you as a shepherd all the way to heaven's gates into the Savior's arms. The one who is referred to in the you is the one who is personable and knowable and approachable. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the most cursed name in anger and profanity, but the most confessed name in worship and adoration. He's both. He is the most debated and studied person in history, and yet he is the most life-giving and living person who still changes people's lives. And how does he do that? He does that with the truth that's proclaimed of who he is. I wrote down for you on the backside of your bulletin St. Patrick's Prayer. In Christ, under Christ, with Christ. That's a prayer of what it looks like to have one who is with you. Zephaniah chapter 317 is this wonderful and beautiful promise. It says this, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Another translation says this, he celebrates over you with shouts of joy. Wow. The Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, reminds us of this. It is good to say that there is one who is always the same and who is always with us. It's good because there's one stable rock amidst the billows of the sea. 
Let us not set our soul affection upon rusting, moth-eating, decaying treasures, but set our hearts upon him who remains faithful forever. Let us not build our hope house upon the moving quicksands of a deceitful world, but base our hopes upon the rock. Trust him. He will go with you through the surging currents of death streams, and he will bring you safely to the celestial shore, and you will sit with him in heavenly places forever. Trust all your concerns to him who can never be taken from you, who will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and always. I'm with you always is enough for my soul to live on no matter who forsakes me. So these three key words, as powerful as they are, this word with me is the one that gets me. It's a promising preposition that talks about a relationship that divulges an intimate relationship with the great I am of heaven and earth. It's for this strong conjunction. It's you are this personal pronoun that we can know who he is. And it's with me, this one that divulges an intimate relationship. It's the Christmas name that we hear. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us, the friend of sinners. John chapter 1 reminds us of this. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And verse 2 says, he was with God in the beginning. And if you jump down a couple more verses later, John, Jesus' good friend, says this, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling or his withness among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full, full of grace and truth. This strong, visible invitation of with me is what I'm invited into, into the fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Last week I shared during the spiritual audit, if I had, one, if I had two sermons to preach, one of them would be John 6. But if I only had one sermon to preach and I only got one, this would be the sermon I would preach. This sermon would be this. God the Father, his words to his son. The times where the heavens were open, three different times this father talked to his son. And he said the same thing pretty much three different times at the baptism of Jesus, at the transfiguration of Jesus, and Jesus' last week in the temple. This is my son. I'm delighted with him. I have favor with him. I find great joy in him. This is where his, my glory rests in him. And, and, and God the Father invites us through Christ into that kind of relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. No, we're not little gods. We're adopted sons and daughters. As one devotional read this week, said this, God does not love you to the degree that you are like Jesus. God loves you to the degree that you are in Jesus. You see the difference? We stand in Christ. What if we started at the place of resting in the love of God Resting in the love God says he has for us, a devotional writer read, wrote, 
What if we started by believing that what Jesus says about us is true of us, that God the Father loves us as much as he loves God the Son? What if we started by believing that in Jesus? It's as if we've already have the Perlitzer Prize, the Grammy, named Parent of the Year, and have more social follows than any movie star or celebrity because it says in the good book, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Jesus is my righteousness. He's not my second chance. That's the message of the gospel. The gospel isn't good luck. See you next week. Don't screw up. The gospel is this. In Christ, you are seen as righteous. You may be sitting here this morning thinking to yourself, you have no idea the white-hot mess I am. White-hot mess is a Another way of describing Romans chapter 7, I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do the things that I do. Thanks be to God. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So as we respond to the gospel, as we do the preaching of God's word, there are several things I want to leave, leave you with as we have heard God's word this morning, which for you impacted you. The conjunction to be hooked to the good shepherd? Was it the personal pronoun, your? The promises of goodness and mercy that will follow me and connect with me all the days of my life? Or is it this promise of with, with me? A relationship with the great I am. Which of those three? Because it's right in the heart of a very familiar song. Here's the other way that you can respond. Just simply do this. You may say, I don't memorize a lot of scripture. Well, here's an easy one and a, and a common one. Memorize this scripture. Meditate on it all the month of June. Just when you're going for a walk or when you're outside. And memorize it and let the Holy Spirit take that word of God and strengthen your soul on what it means to be for in your with me. What does that look like in your life? And finally this. You may want to do a summer read. I've mentioned uh, one of them is Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd's Looks at, 23, at Psalm 23. It's a super easy read, and you can find it either online or I'm sure at a bookstore. Or another one that my colleague, Pastor Brian, shared with our staff and with our elders. It's called With, Reimagining the Way You Relate to God by Sky Jephthany. Great summer read. Let me close this message with a devotional that I read earlier last month thinking about this psalm. Praise me for the help of my presence at all times and all circumstances. It's appropriate to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being with me here and now. You may not sense my presence with you, but I've promised, and that's enough. An important part of your assignment as a Christian is to trust that I'm with you always. In faith, talk to me about your thoughts and feelings, your struggles and pleasures. Believe that I care for you deeply, and I hear your prayers. Seek my help with confident anticipation. Be on the lookout for all the ways I'm at work in you and through you. Rejoice that you and I together can do immeasurably more 
all that you ask or imagine. My power is at work within you, especially as it connects with your weaknesses offered up to me for my purpose. Remember that nothing is impossible with me and refuse to be intimidated by daunting circumstances. Praise me for the help of my presence. Amen and amen.